Welcome to the Jet Fuel Podcast. Can you believe it's already week 10? My goodness, the NFL season really, really, really does fly by these days. I am Matt Barbado, founder, editor-in-chief of NYJetFuel.com. Today I'm joined by my two co-pilots. We've got the full three-headed monster on the Jet Fuel Podcast. In the, for the first time in what seems like forever, we've got Max Marcilla and Adam Zalonka live from the University of Maryland where the Terps are fighting to salvage their season in any way. Um, anywho, we are not here to talk about Maryland football as much as I'm sure Max and Adam would love to do that. Um, we <laughs> are here to talk about the that. Yeah, Well, they're, they're yeah. pretty rough to watch right now, so I don't know if we really want to delve into the Terps too much. I think let's stick to the Jets. I, I, I'm, I'm good sticking to the Jets today. And you know what? That's rare to say. We are good with talking about the New York Jets because you know what, folks? The New York Jets have been competent. Dare I say decent this year. They are 4-5 and five entering an interesting Week 10 battle with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We are going to talk about that a little bit later in the show. Um, but, yes, the Jets are 4-5. and five. Things are good. I mean, they're probably not going to make the playoffs, but they're at least in the hunt in a, in a sense, um, which I don't think anybody expected 10 weeks into the year. Um, but I wanted to open up today's show with, you guessed it, a quarterback conversation. Uh, Josh McCown has been the team starter. He's remained durable. He's been, you know, just fine. Um, he hasn't really carried the Jets to any victories, but he hasn't lost them a ton of games either. Um, the only game you could really point to him goofing up is the uh, Miami game on the road where he threw that back-breaking interception. Um, but otherwise, he's been fine, and he's stayed durable, and I think that's surpri- definitely exceeded expectations and has been a surprise this year. Uh, one person who's clearly yeah, former Jets quarterback Chad Pennington, he said he'd like to see the Jets keep Josh McCown for at least three more years. I found that very interesting given McCown is 38 years old, has been a career journeyman. Um, Adam, I'll start with you. Let's forget about three years. I don't think the Jets are, are, are inking Ryan – or uh, I almost said Ryan Fitzpatrick. Man, I'm jumping ahead to the third segment. Um I don't think they're inking Josh McCown to a three-year deal anytime soon. But would you want the Jets to keep McCown at all beyond this season? Well, I agree with you. For starters, that uh, three years is a little much. You're talking about a guy who turned 38 this year. So does anybody really expect Josh McCown, as good as he's looked this year, to be playing at age 41? He's not Tom Tom Brady. Most players can't do that. Almost no quarterback can really. Uh, do that. No matter if you're a journeyman or a star, McCown. Here's what I'll say about McCown. At the beginning of the year, I think everybody, were, everybody was happy to view him as a one-year band-aid to get through the year without looking like the worst team in the history of the sport. And McCown has not only done that; he's played a little better than anyone has expected. Now, I don't want to draw too many comparisons to Ryan Fitzpatrick, but I just think that uh, the Jets front office uh, in, in its current iteration with Mike McCagnon there at GM has been burned once before by uh, investing too much in an old veteran journeyman quarterback who had a career season and, and did not really appreciate the result the year later. And we, we know what we're talking about here. And I know we'll have plenty to talk about with Fitzpatrick coming up, but um, no, uh, they, they shouldn't, they shouldn't invest a lot of money in McCown. But I, I think it's too early ultimately to say, should he be back next year? Just because we don't know where the Jets are going to fall in the draft order. We don't know what the prospects are going to look like. There's no guarantee that every single quarterback prospect we've been tracking 
as far as the underclassmen are going to actually even enter the draft. So it's way too early to say. Max, let, let me float this at you. Here's what I'm thinking. I'm not saying sign Fitzpatrick, or um, again, I almost made a Fitzpatrick reference. I'm not saying sign McCown to a similar deal that Fitzpatrick got, a one-year $12 million deal. He's not worth that money. But what about what about a one-year, say, $6 million deal, giving about half of what Fitzpatrick got? Um, would that be something you'd be interested in, given the state of the Jets quarterback situation? I think also it depends on what the Jets do in the draft. If they do take a quarterback – that maybe is a, a quarterback that they see more potential in but wouldn't be a day one starter. I mean, you look at a guy like Lamar Jackson, who could be one of the more intriguing prospects in the draft, but you don't exactly know how pro-ready he is and ready to lead an NFL offense. Using him as an example, yeah, I don't think there'd be a problem with the Jets bringing back McCown on a one-year deal and, and the, what he's done, and he's been serviceable. And like like you said, he hasn't really lost him any games, hasn't won him any games. It's It's been fairly competent he's been fairly competent at quarterback and this is an offense that's been that's surpassed expectations keep in mind without Quincy Anunwa and without uh, a healthy stable of running backs at times and a, a mediocre at best offensive line so I think McCown's done a good enough job to where yeah you could reward him with a one-year contract but that's only if the quarterback situation works itself out to where you don't have a guy that's ready to step in now, also keep in mind, Bryce Petty will be entering the final year of his contract. Christian Hackenberg will have two seasons after this season. And then if the Jets do end up drafting a quarterback, well, are you really going to want – and again, this is a, a topic we'll discuss, I'm sure, next offseason. Are you really going to want to keep four quarterbacks on your roster? Do no. you cut Bryce Petty because he hasn't shown you anything? Or do you cut Christian Hackenberg because – he literally has not shown you anything. He has not stepped on the field. So it, I, I think the Jets, I think the, the clear answer is you, you cut ties with Petty before Hackenberg. But at that same time, how do you know what investments to put in a draft pick versus what investments to put in a Hackenberg versus if you do give McCown that contract? So it's an interesting dilemma. And, and I, don't, I don't think I would be opposed to bring McCown back on a one-year deal. But I think that really depends on what the Jets do in the draft and or how they view Hackenberg or Petty going forward. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think it's tricky. Again, the Jets are in another quarterback dilemma. It just it seems like guys, how many how many times how many years in a row has it seemed like we've talked about this very subject? Whether it be Fitzpatrick, McCown, do they get a veteran? Do they go with a rookie? It's just like this endless cycle. And while I think the Jets need to definitely learn from their lesson with Ryan Fitzpatrick, um, and, and, you know, Josh McCown's an even probably riskier case because he's older and he's much more injury prone. Um, I don't have a problem with, with floating a little, you know, one year, four to $6 million deal from McCown because you know what? I'm not saying he's going to take this team to the playoffs, but I'm saying if you do draft a rookie, if you don't get a rookie in the draft, if you're if the quarterback room stays the exact same, you do have someone who can at least competently run an offense. Um, I mean, McCown's got 1,980 passing yards, 13 touchdowns, only seven interceptions, um, and the four wins he's accrued with the Jets is the second most he's had in a single season in his career. So, I mean, again, it's there's something about these veteran quarterbacks having career years in New York in their first season. 
I'm not hitching my wagons to McCown like we did Fitzpatrick. The Jets were in a completely different state uh, just a year ago when they had all those veterans who are now, you know, elsewhere or on the, you know, in the employment line. Um, but I'm not hitching my wagon to McCown. But even if the Jets do draft a rookie, whether it's Rosen, Darnold, Mason Rudolph, Lamar Jackson, guys I hopefully uh, will study a little bit further as the college football season suddenly starts to be hitting its stretch point here. Um, I think McCown is that steadying hand. I think he's, you know, a, a definitely a good locker room guy. I mean, that's something that the Jets mentioned um, him bringing to the locker room when he's first signed. You know, it's it's tricky because we just saw the Jets get burned by this situation. So it's like, it you know, you kind of want to be hesitant about it. But maybe it's not the worst thing, given the tumultuous state of the position, given that the Jets really don't have anything behind him. Max, to answer your question, if the Jets were to draft a rookie and re-sign McCown, I think Hackenberg's the guy to go. Adam, would you agree with that? That would be a monumental uh, admittance that you really screwed up yeah. a second-round pick if you're Mike McCagnin in your scouting department. And I don't know if they've got the humility to do such a thing, so I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't know if it's as Hackenberg has – it's it's been disappointing that Hackenberg hasn't even sniffed the field, and he's very frequently not even dressing. Last year and this year, he's sometimes active, sometimes inactive this year. Uh, so, yeah, he's not getting close. Now, the count hasn't given anybody a reason to get close. No injuries so far, knock on wood, to this quarterback unit. And uh, the the fact that you've got Petty as, as uh, the solid second stringer. Yeah, so, so okay, so Hackenberg isn't Deshaun Watson. We all knew that at this point, right? But uh, I don't know if that means Hackenberg doesn't even make the roster next year. I still think it's too early to tell. Yeah, I think yeah. that'd be foolish. I, I, I mean, I think Bulls saying he's seen enough from his quarterbacks in the summer was a telling statement. Mm. Okay, yeah. I really I, thought that was – I thought that was an interesting thing to say. I mean, you know, obviously the Jets were not in a position to make a change at the at quarterback. But just to hear him say, I saw enough from my quarterbacks in the in the preseason in the summer, I, I thought that was sort of a damning statement. Yeah, but McCagnin also said, GM Mike McCagnin said he's not disappointed with Hackenberg, which, again, you, you never I mean, really know how they feel or what they – but, but it, it's just to say you can't really read too much into their comments, especially not just any coach or GM or, or athlete's comments, but especially with McCagnin and Bowles, a couple of guys who are – pretty boring the best yeah i I mean that's it's a good way to put it i mean these are not guys that will come out wearing a a wig to look like their brother shout out rex ryan i mean these are you know todd bowles just kind of gets up to the podium and and says what he has to say and leaves and i wouldn't read too much into the any comments about hackenberg but here's the thing you as i said you know you've at least seen something from Bryce Petty. Maybe it's not good, but you've at least seen him. To cut a second-round pick without seeing him on the field, I, I think that would be wrong. Even if Hackenberg is a terrible prospect, a terrible player, and does absolutely nothing in the NFL, to cut him before you cut your fourth-round pick that you've seen isn't going to be a superstar, I mean, I just I can't see that happening. But if the Jets do see, and you mentioned Bryce Petty, being a solid number two, Adam, if the Jets really do view Petty as that solid backup quarterback, well, maybe the Jets don't bring back McCown. If they find a rookie quarterback mm. that they, they think could be a day one starter, or if they think, 
Hackenberg or Petty needs a shot, I don't think I would be opposed to a couple weeks of Hackenberg or Petty. And then the, the rookie quarterback, if the Jets draft one that they think could be ready in a couple of weeks. But it, it, again, this is a, a topic for next offseason. It's fun to gauge now because, you know, when, when Fitzpatrick was having his career season, there were legitimate playoff aspirations. And we spent our time on the podcast and, and writing stories about how the Jets can make the playoffs. Now I don't think we're expecting the Jets to make the playoffs, but it is exciting to see at least competitive football. The thing is, well, we, while we don't expect the playoffs, it forces us to look forward to next offseason. And it might still be – not might. It is still premature to do that. If you were to ask me right now who will the Jets quarterback be for the 2018 season opening day, I'd have to say, like, Kirk Cousins. Wow. I just have a feeling about that. Maybe they still draft a rookie, but I don't know. I could I could see that happening. The Jets are going to have a lot of cap space. Um, I think their their plans, you know, I, I use air quotes for that, plans to sort of get that top five pick to land one of those top-tiered quarterbacks, I think that's kind of going out the wayside right now. Um, they're definitely not one of the five worst teams in the league as of today, and it's, you know, the season's getting old here. We They don't really have a ton more games to lose. Um, so, you know, they're kind of set where they are here. I don't know. Uh, do you guys agree, think that's crazy? You guys agree with that? And then we'll, we'll move on from the quarterbacks after this. But I want to I get your, your take at the midway point of the season here. I mean, I don't know if I would say he's the favorite Cousins to be the quarterback. But, yeah, I certainly could see it happening. I mean, they have cap space. And, and that's a situation where if the Jets do get Cousins, then I think it would be more acceptable to cut ties with Hackenberg because you're not cutting Hackenberg to make room for a 38 38- year old journeyman if they re-sign McCown you're cutting him for a guy you're fairly confident is the answer the the next recipient of that quarterback helm so Mm -hmm. I I think in that case it'd be more acceptable for the Jets to cut ties with Hackenberg but regardless of what the Jets do with Hack yeah I, I wouldn't be shocked if the Jets get Cousins I wouldn't be shocked if it was McCown again I mean the Jets have plenty of directions they can go for what again what seems like the the fifth, sixth, seventh year in a row. Adam, what do you think? Cousins? Yeah, I don't have much to add to what Max just said. It's it's a possibility. It's a fun one to think about. Um, uh, being down here near the Washington area, I've, I've gotten to watch a lot more Kirk Cousins this season, I think. Uh, kept track of him. And he's far from a bad quarterback. He'd, he'd be better than anybody on the Jets roster right now. And I think a lot of NFL teams would be able to say the same thing. So if Cousins is indeed available for some reason because Washington just refuses to pay the guy, uh, it, it would be the biggest free agent quarterback uh, in on the market in years. I can't think of the last time we would have had a name that big, not counting Peyton Manning, with his situation being what it was. So I, I don't know if the Jets are going to be able to shell out that money. It's not that they're very close to a full cap, but no, I, I – it's yeah, just I think another one of the wait and see situations, Matt. My thing with Cousins is, like you said, that he's not a bad quarterback. He's far from it, like you mentioned. He is from being a really good quarterback. I'm not even going to say elite. I don't think Cousins has that that upside. But really good, I don't even know if he can reach that level. I'm not sure if Kirk Cousins, and this is just, and when I say I think the Jets will end up signing Cousins, it's not an endorsement of Cousins himself. It's just what I think will happen. Um, I think Cousins is fine. I think he's a great quarterback. If you want to go eight and eight every year, nine and seven with a you know slip into the playoffs and a down year in the division, 
you know, things like that. I just don't know if he's a guy who's going to take a team to the next level. Um, you know, not that Washington's really lined up a ton of great weapons for him. I mean, the receiving core is an absolute joke, but he's got more talent than the Jets do right now. So I can't see him improving upon the Jets' offense um, as it is. But, you know, that again, little little crystal ball glimpse. Uh, we, we, you know, have to do it with the quarterback conversation. Um, let, let's let's take a look at um, a couple of rookies from this year's draft class. Let's Let's go back to the present here. Rich Samini, I don't know if you guys were able to read this uh, before recording today, but Rich Samini wrote a, a really interesting story on ESPN.com about just how Jamal Adams, Marcus May, um, that safety tandem that drew a lot of controversy when the Jets took him in the first and second rounds and consecutive picks in this year's drafts, um, how they've sort of been impressing as rookies, and, and they're playing with a, a ton of energy um, and really, really adding value to the back end of the Jets' secondary. Um, and that got me thinking, you know, obviously Adams and Marcus may have been good, um, but, you know, some of the, you know, Elijah McGuire has been pretty productive as a rookie, um, as a third string running back. But, you know, the rest of the class, I would say, has left something to be desired. Uh, we haven't seen a ton from our Darius Stewart and Chad Hansen. Um, Jordan Leggett's been hurt most of the year. Um, you haven't seen much of the uh, late round cornerbacks they took. So, Max, I'll ask you this, you know, again, grades on this draft class so don't overreact people listening at home but what would be your halfway point grade um for this this 2017 draft class max i would say a b plus and the reason why i'm going that high is because i think adams and may have both been a's or a pluses whatever i I think they i i I thought they would be studs i think they are studs i think they are one of the biggest reasons why this Jets defense has not been as bad as people anticipated. You know, it's kind of like for all the weaknesses they have, you could mention some problems at linebacker and the fact that they couldn't rush the passer for the first several weeks of the season and the D-line wasn't getting the pressure for all of that talk and the cornerbacks not being deep for all that talk. Adams and May have kept this Jets defense afloat and kept them relevant. I think they are both studs, and they are, as I said, A's or A-pluses. And the only reason why, again, I like what I've seen out of McGuire, and the only reason I'm not going to knock it down a whole letter grade is because I don't think Stewart or Hanson have been productive because they're not good players. I think we will see over the next four weeks a lot more Stewart and Hanson with Jeremy Curley being suspended. And I thought that was the, one of the more bizarre moves the Jets made was signing Curley. Again, this is not a win-year season, and the Jets have taken snaps away from their two rookie wide receivers in favor of Curley. And, and Curley has been good, but don't you want to see the guys develop? Like, isn't that what this season is about? So I think that it's a B plus. I'm not going to knock it because of Hanson and Stewart that much. And the next four weeks will give us a great glimpse at those two wide receivers. Adam, your grade. Well, I will go slightly more pessimistic than Max, but not by a ton. I was going to give it a B, uh, just short of a B plus. And uh, you guys have covered a lot of this ground already anyway. I, I do think that it's a bit concerning that both Stewart and Hanson, especially Hanson, have seen practically no time on the field. Now, again, call me in two weeks just in case Jeremy Curley during his suspension has opened a door for Stewart to suddenly get seven targets and, and show off or something like that. I don't know. Maybe it happens. Maybe it happens on Sunday um, against Tampa Bay. Now, I was I was always in the camp of 
pick Malik Hooker over pick Jamal Adams, but that was back when I thought, oh, we're keeping Calvin Pryor, you know. So I've done the complete 180. I love Jamal Adams, and not not only that, none of us, you know, it's good that we're doing this right now, Matt. I mean, halfway through the season, this is the better time than uh, May first to do a grade your draft because you've seen them in action for the most part. You gotta grade it right after it happens, Adam. Right. Got to get that content. I am here for that. But listen, um, not I, we we were a little shakier on why they decided to go safety safety, but Marcus May has matched Jamal Adams stride for stride, and not only is Adams the defensive rookie of the year pick uh, candidate, but I argue that Marcus May is also a candidate for the same award. I think you could make a case for May being a defensive rookie of the year candidate. Uh, Dylan Donahue. Had some flashes early in the season as, as a person rushing the passer, which the Jets still don't do well enough, in my opinion. I always want to see more sacks, um, even after that good performance against Buffalo. But yeah, Donahue uh, only early in the season, and like you said, Leggett. We don't we don't have a, a gauge on Leggett or the other receivers, uh, sorry, cornerbacks, because they have just not seen the field. Um, so I will, you know, largely agree with what Max's analysis was here, Beto. But I'm going to go just a little less uh, forward-thinking and optimistic and say, so far it's a solid B buoyed by those top two safeties who have been the best. Oh, and yeah. McGuire. I'm, I'm sorry I didn't, I didn't mention McGuire. You did, uh, Matt, but, but uh, yeah. McGuire has been the nice surprise of the late-round picks. That's how you use a late-round pick. Certainly. Yeah, he's been really good. I mean, he, he stepped in with Matt Forte injured, and he's been good. And he's, you know, given the Jets, I mean, it's more of a aggravating platoon if you're a fantasy football owner, but... Yeah. You know, Matt Forte might miss this week's game, and you could have a nice one-two punch. You know, the absence of either Forte or Powell doesn't worry me as much because they have McGuire. And you know what? For a sixth-round rookie out of UL Lafayette, you'll take it. Um, you know, that, that seems to be one of the big steals of their draft class, I would say. Again, Donahue, yeah, he did show flashes, and then he got injured. He hurt his elbow, and it's been placed on IR. He did it on that stupid penalty he got in the Jaguars game, if you remember, when he was covering a punt. So he kind of did that to himself. So, um, you know, I think the big disappointment, you know, we've mentioned Stuart and Hansen sort of being either inactive or unproductive. Jordan Leggett, um, I thought there were better tight ends out there in the draft that the Jets could have gotten earlier. Uh, they opted to take Leggett, and, you know, while we can't really grade his performance yet, um, I don't think it's, you know, I don't think it does much for me that he's injured. Uh, you know, there's a guy named Devin Smith who, you know, everyone was so hopeful, hopeful, hopeful for, and he can't get on the field. So Leggett's kind of useless to me because, you know, he can't get on the field. If he can't get on the field, you're kind of a waste of a draft pick. I'm sorry, even though it's the fifth round, um, not a high leverage situation, but that's where rosters are made. That's where championship rosters are made. So, you know, he's been the biggest disappointment. I completely agree with you guys on Adams and May. They are really complimentary in the back end of the defense, too. I love when Adams gets close to the line of scrimmage and he's sort of sniffing out the run or rushing the passer. It's really, really exciting to watch. And May, he's got a real nose for the football. You saw it against the, the Bills on Thursday night when he stripped Nick O'Leary, who, you know, the play looks to be completely over and done with, and he finds a way to get the ball out of his hands. Um, I've really been impressed and you know I was one of the people skeptical when they when they took May after taking Adams I was elated that they took Jamal Adams that he fell to their laps at number six um but to take May in the second round you know 33 picks later was a bit screwy um and we'll have to see with the receivers um receiver generally you know we we've sort of been spoiled by guys like Odell Beckham Jr. who just kind of figured out in their first year 
Um, those are special rare talents. Receiver is usually one of the hardest positions to adjust from college to the pro ranks. Um, so I'm willing to give Stewart and Hanson more time, although I'm much more optimistic about um, Stewart at this point um, since we've at least seen him play a little bit. Um, but, you know, jury's still out. I give it a B- minus because I think, you know, Don Hugh out for, you know, on IR. Jeremy Clark, we haven't really seen anything of. Derek Jones, we haven't really seen anything of. I know these guys are our sixth-round, fifth-round picks, but, you know, it does hurt the overall reputation of the draft class. Um, and I, I would say the, the only two impactful players, well, I guess you could rule McGuire as a third, but Adams and May have certainly been the only impactful players out of this class on a regular basis. All right, we will move on now to our final segment discussing an intriguing game against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the team that was uh, highlighted on Hard Knocks, a team that a lot of people had high hopes for. They were a sexy pick to win the NFC South this year, I believe, over even the defending NFC champion Falcons. Um, the Buccaneers have just fallen off the ship, to use a nice little pirate pun there. They've gone overboard. They've walked the plank. Yeah. Um, they are 2-6. and six. Jameis Winston has been shut down for a few weeks with a shoulder injury. And, of course, you know, it's, it's crazy how this happens. Everyone's joking, oh, Jets, Buccaneers, Week 10. You know, wherever Ryan Fitzpatrick goes, the starting quarterback ahead of him gets hurt. So Jets versus Bucks, revenge game for Fitz. And then you're like, ha, 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 yeah, of course. You know, it's April, whatever, let's laugh it up. And then it happens. And I'm still laughing about it. I mean, if you read my game preview on nyjetfield.com, I hope you got a laugh out of my witty sarcasm, hopefully. Um, but, yeah, it's McCown versus Fitzpatrick. My question for you guys to lead off this game preview, and we'll, we'll break this down more. Um, we've seen a lot of really, really horrible, you know, Jets quarterback matchups. The one that strikes <laughs> me the most is Ryan Lindley versus Mark Sanchez slash Greg McElroy. Oh, you took but, my line. I was so prepared to bring that up. Oh, I mean, no. I mean, now that's I me, too. That, that was me, too. I oh, mean, that, you guys want to just game, bring it up all together right that, now? That game was once? Do we infamously horrible. Do we want to just say Ryan Lindley on three? Yes, go. Count One, us off. two, three. Ryan Lindley. Ryan Lindley. All right, we got that out of our systems. My point being, does McCown versus Patrick top that? No, no. Well, the, the what do you Jets, mean by top? I just ensure like sheer stupid, like you hate no, football. It's no. so bad to watch entertainment. But no, Jets Cardinals twenty twelve. No, Jets Cardinals twenty twelve was exactly that car accident you're describing. Lindley, uh, for his part. Couldn't beat a team while his uh, while his opponent threw three interceptions in the first half. That would be Sanchez before being replaced by the indomitable Greg McElroy. Right. So Ryan Lindley himself, I've got it right here. Ten for 31, 72 yards. That's 2.3 yards per attempt and an interception. And uh, some some of his running backs helping him out were Beanie Wells and Rod Stevens Howland. Oh, okay. Okay. Those okay. I had, I, I'm tapping out. Sean Green led the Jets with 104 rushing yards. You're not done. So, I'm in the okay. figure four leg lock. You've submitted me. I, I give up. McCown is having too good of a season this year for the Jets to be remotely compared to Mark Sanchez. I don't think anyone's made a comparison between McCown and Sanchez in 2017, and I think that that's right. I think that that's uh, fair to make to, to avoid making such a comparison. Uh, McCown does not get enough uh, credit for protecting the ball 
Um, yeah, he's thrown a handful of interceptions, but I, I like to say that, one, he has not had a five-pick game the way Ben Roethlisberger did earlier in the year. Another old veteran and a B is that he, he, uh, he's not Ryan, Ryan Fitzpatrick. As Jets fans, we don't have very high expectations of our quarterbacks, and we also need to give them a little more credit when they're like McCown and they're halfway decent. It's going to be a blast to see Ryan Fitzpatrick. I would... I would, um, I would, I'm really jealous of the Jets writers who get to cover this game, go down to nice Tampa, you know, it's November here up in the Northeast, go visit Florida and go see your old pal Fitz. You know, he went to Harvard. Have we talked about that yet? No. Did he yeah. really? Thanks for I didn't realize that. It's funny. He actually went to Harvard. So that means he's very smart on the field. But anyway, uh, it's going to be a blast and uh, it's nowhere near the Ryan Lindley game or the Greg McElroy game, however you'd like to call that one. Max, you have the floor. I have to go watch that game. Like, honestly, <laughs> there, there's a large part of me that just wants to go on Game Pass tonight. Coming up on the five-year anniversary. I mean, it's, it's, I mean, it's <laughs> one of the great disasters of professional football in recent memory. It, it, it was just one of the worst games. I mean – Two point, what was it? Two point eight yards per attempt. Two point three for Lindley. Two point three. I mean, there are Madden conservative passing game guys. Ever heard of it? There are Madden games where you can get fourteen yards per attempt. I mean, I mean that's just unfathomable. It's. It's one of the worst games I've ever seen, and there is no way this week's game is worse. Again, McCown has been too good to be compared to Ryan Lindley or, or Greg McElroy or Mark Sanchez. This game will not be nearly as bad as that game. What it might feature is some dumb mistakes. Yeah. That's what we have witnessed from Fitzpatrick over the last two years. That's what we have seen, albeit infrequently, over the career of Josh McCown is some bad mistakes. We saw it against Miami. Again, infrequently, but you never really know. That is the motto of the NFL any given Sunday. So, yeah, I could see this game becoming sloppy, and especially without, with McCown without Curly for the first time all year. And... Now Ryan Fitzpatrick in his – I believe it's his first start this year. Yeah. And well, no, he started it, against Arizona. Or maybe he right, right. that game late. Uh, I know he got some reps. I'm not sure he played, if he started. He played the entire second half for Jameis. So here's a guy, again, he went to Harvard. So I'm sure he's picking up the offense just fine. But, you know, it's a, it's a new team, new system. And, of course, the big factor is no Mike Evans. He's suspended. So you look at that, and, yeah, this game could be prone to some mistakes, but, no, it, it won't even be close to that game against the Cardinals in 2012. You know, if I'm being honest, and this isn't Fitzpatrick or McCown related, tell me if I'm crazy. I, don't, I, I understand Jameis Winston has a lot of upside. Is he really that much of a loss in this game? Yeah. Because, you yeah. know, here's my thing with Jameis Winston. I think he's very physically gifted. I think he's just not very bright. Did you guys I mean, see his, like, pregame speech last week? I, I just I, – I just – I don't know if he's a guy who I would trust with my franchise, if that makes sense. I mean, I don't know if I would either, but I, I, I would assume you'd take him over 
uh, a 30, yeah. 36 year old Fitzpatrick. I'm just saying, I don't know how big of a downgrade it really is. I just Look, don't. He, I, Winston, he, I don't know. I just got I'm the not far convinced. superior physical skills and and talent, arm talent. He's more, way more mobile. Although we have seen some fun Fitzpatrick runs over the last two yeah. years. I mean, look. I'm not. I mean, physically, obviously. I'm just saying. I don't know. I don't. Look, I don't know is it, like it's not going from Tom Brady to Ryan Lindley to bring him back up again. Okay. It's not a huge downgrade, but yeah, it's certainly. Look, it, these aren't two good teams either way. It's not like the Bucks were a playoff team with Winston and now are going to their backup. The Bucks have been bad all year, so the yeah. problems go further than whatever you think of Jameis Winston. Dirk, Dirk Cotter is a terrible coach, and I'll just leave it at that. I just don't think he's he's got a kind of a dumb quarterback and he's kind of a dumb coach. So we'll we'll wrap up the uh, McCown Fitzpatrick discussion with this little wonderful stat from my um, original story on this matter when we found out Fitzpatrick would be starting. Uh, these two quarterbacks have played for 15 different teams combined during their respective careers. Oddly enough, the Jets and the Bucks are the only two teams that both quarterbacks have played for. How weird is that? It all comes full circle for two journeyman quarterbacks. It's awesome. I love it. Yeah, because anytime the one team had McCown, the other team probably had Fitzpatrick. Uh, you know, like the Titans – had Fitzpatrick for a while, so they never needed McCown is what I mean. Yeah, they had their journeyman covered. So, okay, real quick, and then we'll, we'll move on here. More turnovers. McCown or Fitz? Fitz. Did you guys both say Fitz at the same time? Yeah. Sort of close, yeah. Okay. I, I say I – say, uh, I say McCown. I, th- I, think, oh. I think the Jets are going to – I think the Bucks are really going to try and control the ball on the ground with Doug Martin. Um, and I think, you know, the home game matters too. McCown hasn't been as great on the road. I'll, I'll say maybe, maybe there's not as many turnovers as we want to laugh about and think about, but no, I, I think there's going to be two or three turnovers. I'd say one or two interceptions and a fumble. We'll see. We'll see. I, cause you know, the Buccaneers defense is pretty, pretty bad. So yeah, I, I, the reason I think that, um, Fitzpatrick has more turnovers is because the Jets and the defense has been, for the first time in a while, actually been able to force turnovers. So I, I think that's why I would side with McCown having fewer turnovers. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, you know, they're, everyone's playing this up as a Fitzpatrick, you know, revenge game. But I have a feeling, you know, Leonard Williams, Muhammad Wilkerson, Jordan Jenkins, I, I have a feeling they remember that season very well, too. So um, I know the Jets have a lot of new faces, a lot of youngsters, but – There'll be plenty of veterans, uh, you know, revved up to, to face old man Fitz. So um, let's talk about Tampa's offense still. We know who's under center. Um, but what's really going to hurt Fitzpatrick is arguably the best player in this game is not going to be playing. Mike Evans is suspended for his antics um, during a blowout loss to the Saints. Um, it was a really, it was such a weird week in the NFL. So many fights last week. Um, but he is suspended. So that is a huge loss. For Tampa, um, their leading receiver outside of him is is actually Adam Humphreys in terms of receptions, and then Deshaun Jackson. Um, so, Adam, you're you're. I'm going to put you into uh, Casey Rogers' shoes here. Your game planning here. Um, how would you handle Tampa Bay's offense with Mike Evans out of the equation? The Jets are pretty fortunate that Evans and Winston are both out of this game. Um, very, very. 
Very, very uh, fortunate. Uh, Jackson, you're right. Uh, Adam Humphreys has more receptions than Jackson. So do Cameron. So does Cameron Brait. And OJ Howard is on this team too. So here's what you got to do. First of all, Tampa Bay is 28th in the league in rushing. Doug Martin and Jack Quiz Rogers and everybody remember Charles Sims? He was on my fantasy team last year. So relevant, I, but yeah. That was ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, they're not scaring anybody. So you no. crowd the box early and tell Tampa Bay, and not the whole game, but crowd the box early and, and you know, tackle Martin behind the line. This Jets uh, rushing defense has improved from those first two weeks. They're not getting run over by nobodies. They had trouble with guys like McCoy, uh, but but they'll be able to handle Tampa and tell Fitzpatrick, throw on us. Throw on us, and that what I'm most worried about is not just that Deshaun Jackson has the ability to go deep and you sort of need a safety back there to work on on that and make sure you don't let that go, but also the Jets are not super good at covering tight ends. And uh, if I let me say it this way, if I'm uh, Tampa Bay's coordinator instead of Casey Rogers, I'm I'm putting Howard Embray in focus a lot early and often because I think that's the way to beat the Jets. So the Jets need to remember, you know, I mean, maybe this is the week Darren Lee suddenly becomes a great coverage linebacker, but I don't think so. Uh, I mean, it, that, that's kind of what they need to have happen because I think the best way for Tampa Bay to beat the Jets is tight end passes 12 yards at a time over the middle. They have two good talented tight ends in Howard and Bray. Um, But that's just my two cents. What do you think, Max? I would agree with pretty much everything you said. I think that's spot on. The one thing that I, I think you, you neglected to mention is who are you going to have cover Deshaun Jackson? And I think that's a role for Morris Claiborne. I think he's been by far, and again, not great competition, but I think he's been by far the Jets' best cornerback. And in a situation where you don't have that one-two punch of Jackson and Evans, you only have that, that one, well, I think the Jets should put Claiborne on him as much as possible. But other than that, I think you were right on. It, the, I believe the Jets will be able to stop whatever running attack Tampa Bay has or tries to have. And I think the key will be, can Darren Lee, can Marcus Mayne, Jamal Adams, can Demario Davis cover the tight ends? And I think that'll be a, a big thing to watch. I think Darren Lee has played two of his best games in the last two weeks of his NFL career. Still not a great coverage linebacker, but I, I think that we're starting to see a little bit of growth from Darren Lee. So it, this could be a big week for him as far as uh, evaluating his progression. Yeah, I, I think, you know, if if there's one guy I'm keying on, I think in the Jets locker room, you need to have pictures of Doug Martin posted around the locker room. You cannot let him beat you on the ground. You cannot let the Sean Jackson beat you with big plays that remember last year plagued this team all season long in the secondary. Um, I know it's a completely revamped unit, but you know, those, those fears still linger. I think Jackson's almost more important because I think that they might try and just steal the gamer with a big player too. Um, so you really have to be leery of Jackson's speed. Um, you know, I, I get, I get worried about a guy like Daryl Roberts covering him downfield. Um, the Jets might be be wise to allocate some safety help um, on occasion to make sure Jackson just doesn't get by them. Um, he's a, I, Martin's a good talent. I really think he's a good running back. I just I don't know. I, I don't know if Tampa Bay really schemes correctly for him, or I don't know if they just get him the ball in space enough. Um, I think they're sort of wasting a pretty talented uh, running back in Tampa Bay. But yeah, um, 
the Jets should, I mean, really, they, they got this kind of served up on a silver platter. Um, they really have a nice opportunity to get after the Bucks. Uh road game, so it won't be easy, but they do have a good opportunity to get to 5-5, five and five, and that would be quite an accomplishment for this team. Uh, let's quickly wrap up here um, with, first of all, we'll start with our Jet to Watch Sunday against the Buccaneers. Adam, what do you, who do you got? Well, one name that we have not mentioned yet and who uh, is also playing a game against his former team, like uh, 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 Fitzpatrick is, is Austin Safarian Jenkins, Jets tight end. He did not have the best week last, uh, last week, did not catch a touchdown. I'm always disappointed when that happens because, as I like to say on here, he's been my starting fantasy tight end for weeks now, and I felt like such a genius when he was scoring against Cleveland and New England. Anyway, Safarian Jenkins has, we've said this time and time again, so I won't waste too much time on it. He has really started the redemption story quite nicely for his career. It looks like he was going to be out of the league if the Jets didn't take a chance on him in the offseason. Now, that uh, that being said, this is going to be a special game for him because he's facing the team uh, that drafted him, Tampa Bay. So, he's very happy to be a Jet. If you read what he's saying this week to reporters, he's like, God feels good to be a, a Jet. Thank God it's uh, that I'm I'm here with this team. Things of that nature, and I expect, and in fact, I will predict a big game for Safarian Jenkins with at least one touchdown. Yeah, I the, think... thing about, the thing about ASJ, real quickly, um, you know, now he's pro- he's provided competency at this position for the Jets at, at a position where it was like it seemed like they intentionally neglected it for years. Now Safarian Jenks is a guy where you can say, okay, maybe he's worth a, a future contract for a few years and keep him around as a steady offensive weapon. So I like that pick against uh, Tampa Bay. Revenge game. It's a lot of revenge games. You know, it's a revenge game from a count, keep in mind. Remember, the Buccaneers signed him to a huge deal after he had that uh, that career second half with the Bears, and then yeah. they cut him like he was a hot potato. So, And it's too uh, bad Nick Folk didn't stick around long oh, enough. Another revenge narrative. Tampa Bay. <laughs> Nuts. Um, it's crazy. So much overlap. Uh, I'm sure we could find more if you dig through the rosters. Max, who's your Jet to watch? Well, I touched on it a bit. I, I said Darren Lee, and, and that was definitely my answer. Again, I think you'll get a chance to see him maybe in some coverage against some of these tight ends. I also think that, as I said, he had one of his best games of his career last week against Buffalo, and I think that if the Jets can get an improved Darren Lee, and have his speed and versatility on defense as traits that'll help the team, not just individual talents that made him a a sexy draft prospect. I think that that could be huge for this Jets defense. I mean, you look at the defensive line that's been playing better, especially Muhammad Wilkerson. We already talked about the stud rookie safeties. All of a sudden, you get some performance out of Darren Lee and and Jordan Jenkins and all of a sudden you have your young core of this Jets defense not only do you have them but you have them playing well I'm gonna go with Robbie Anderson Um, I I mainly want to see if his touchdown streak stays intact and I think it has a good opportunity to Uh, Anderson has played really well as of late he's got 13 receptions 187 yards three touchdowns touchdowns in three consecutive outings Um, he's really emerges as a vertical threat in this offense. I don't know if he's ever going to be a true starting number two or number one receiver. I doubt it, but he's got some vertical chops. Um, He's a really, really good route runner down the sideline too. And he's got a good opportunity against the Buccaneers secondary that's allowed 272 
passing yards per game this year. It's also a defense that doesn't really get to the quarterback a whole lot. And if you want to talk about, um, you know, the Jets being bad at getting to the to the quarterback, um, the Bucks are even worse. They are dead last with eight sacks in eight games. The Jets, what did they have, seven or eight sacks against the Bills last week? Yeah. So clearly this unit's been struggling. You wouldn't expect that with an anchor like Gerald McCoy in the interior, but I guess he's only one guy. And um, the Buccaneers' pass rush has been awful. So there's no excuse for – the Jets offensive line to struggle. There's no excuse for McCown to get sacked more than maybe twice. And uh, I won't, I wouldn't be surprised at all if maybe on the first drive or two, John Morton dials one up for Robbie Anderson to try and take an early lead. So that that's my jet to watch. I'll go with Robbie Anderson. And now we will wrap up the show with predictions. Uh, so we started, I, we started with Adam for jet to watch. So we will start with Max for the prediction. Who you got Max? For the first time in what seems like a really long time, I'm taking the Jets. I think, believe it or not, they are the better team. I don't know if you look on paper if they're the, the more talented team, whether you look at individual talent like Deshaun Jackson or Gerald McCoy, but it, there's absolutely no doubt that the Jets have been the harder playing and the better playing team. And I think the Jets will go on the road and take a win away from Tampa. Uh, if I had to go with a score, which I know we usually do, I'm going to go 24 to 17. Okay. The Jets would not cover. I believe they're five-and-a-half-point favorites. Eh, call well, 24-20, one of those. You okay, know. Max has got them covered now. <laughs> I can't decide. That'll be a one-possession game. Whatever, if you wanted a field goal, a touchdown, it's a one-possession game. Adam, what do we have on our hands right now? Oh. <sighs> I I think it sounds like a little bit of a, a flip flop Marcella. No, that wasn't the name. What the hell do we call Marcilla. him? Cop out Marcella. I couldn't. I, it's been too long since he copped out Cop about it. Cop out to the little odds makers, man. Oh man. Um, well, I'm, I'm a little upset. I'm a little upset because it's so similar to the score I've got written down. I also have the Jets winning this game. I'm pretty convinced that Tampa Bay is one of the very few winnable games remaining on the Jets schedule this year. It gets very hard from here. Because yeah. they still have to, you know, still have to play Carolina, New Orleans, Kansas City, uh, Patriots again. Uh, it's it's not looking too good down the stretch. But this is a winnable game, and I have finally bought in enough to the 2017 New York Jets to think that they'll win a game <laughs> that's against any other team besides Cleveland. But my score I've got written down is 22-17. Kind of close, 22, just to be a little tricky, like how many field goals are in there, we don't know. But uh, that's uh, that's about where I'm at. I, I did not have any prior knowledge of what the spread was. That's not what I usually look up when I decided it would be a five-point deficit. I just looked it up. I take back my cop-out, Marcilla. The Jets were only a two-and-a-half-point favorite. I, I was mixing it up with, uh, I think, the Chicago, the Bears-Packers line. So, All right, there uh, you go. Half points. The Jets, but still a road favorite, which is, you know, who would have expected the Jets to be a road favorite at any point this year? Maybe against that's Cleveland. True. Yeah. So that's sort of crazy in itself. Um, well, you guys all picked against the Jets last week against Buffalo, and I was the only one who picked. I wasn't on the show, but I told you guys I, I picked the Jets to win that game. I'm picking the Jets again, and it uh, looks like it'll be unanimous on the Jet Fuel podcast. You know, I just I, I really think – I don't think Fitz, Ryan Fitzpatrick's as good as Josh McCown. Um, I think the loss of Mike – I think that the Buccaneers could still very well win this game if they had Mike Evans. Um, because even if Morris Claiborne was guarding him, he's just such a beast on the outside. 
Um, and that just makes life easier for guys like Brate and uh, Deshaun Jackson to kill you. Um, and by the way, do you know where Cameron Brate went to college? Was it Harvard? It was Harvard. So <laughs> oh, no. You're playing a little daily fantasy and you want to go with the Harvard streaming option. Uh, Patrick to Bray. And you know what? Bray's not a bad player either. I know they have O.J. Howard and he's probably the higher upside guy. Cameron Bray is not bad at all. So, And he's also a uh, Warrenville, Illinois native, so not too far from my stomping grounds. Um, so lots of connections. Um but I do like the Jets to win this game. I think McCown's just a little bit better than Fitzpatrick. Um, I think the Jets are really going to run the ball all over the Buccaneers. Whether Forte plays or not, I think it'll be a steady dose of Bilal Powell, uh, Eli McGuire, and I think you're going to see a Robbie Anderson big player too. And I will take the Jets. I think it'll be a little bit more high scoring. I'm going to go 27-24. All right. And I think the Jets win on a missed field goal because, you know, it would have been perfect for Nick Folk to tie the game, but now he's not there anymore. So it will be a uh, missed field goal that sends the Jets to five and five. Who would have thought? Who would have thought? It all it all comes full circle. Um, well, that will wrap up the Jet Fuel podcast. I want to thank Max Marcilla and Adam Zalonka for joining me. You can follow both of these guys on Twitter. You can follow Max at mmarcilla98. You can follow Adam at Adam underscore Zalonka. You can follow me at Real Matt Barbado. And, of course, of course, if you're listening to the show, you need to follow the site at New York Jet Fuel. Like us on Facebook. Um, and, uh, yeah, check us out on YouTube too. We, we tend to do, um, you know, these shows live. So if you're on YouTube and you, you like our page, I think it'll send you a notification whenever we do a live broadcast. So definitely check us out on there too. And, uh, we want to thank you very much for listening to the Jeff Fuel podcast and we'll talk to you again real soon. Podcast.